You're going to love this. Just love it. Or you'll be really, really mad, but, you know, whatever. Certainly is it scared in case I fall off my chair. Scared, and never scared. I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep, yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am stuck. In the middle with you with another live broadcast right here on KPFK. 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher radio app, on the TuneIn radio app, and on the Progressive Voices channel. Glad you could join us here today, and uh, yeah, it's I. Not Harrison. I'm in for Harrison today. He is out and about uh, traveling. I should say he's on assignment. That sounds more impressive. Harrison will be back soon. Until then, you got me. I'm Brad. Uh, Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from Brad Blog. From bradblog.com. I'm usually heard on Wednesdays at this same hour, but glad to be sitting in today. We got a, uh, a big, big show for you, and it's uh, sort of an all Brad show for you. It's called the Bradcast. We might as well have nothing but Brads. Uh, Brad Johnson will be joining me shortly from forecastthefacts.org to sort out the, uh, well, the latest wing nuttery on climate change and, of course, this uh, landmark 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. If you have no idea what that means, it's a lot less boring than it sounds. It's a lot more troubling than it sounds. So stand by for that. We've got a lot. Uh, also, oh, well, later, a little bit later in the show, uh, now all of a sudden people are going to be concerned about Internet hacking. Internet, I'm sorry, uh, Internet voting hacking. Why? Because NBC's The Voice has had their election hacked. Yes, now you can care. Now you can give a damn about Internet voting. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Also, if you... uh, Here's some breaking news for you, by the way. I think that the Benghazi scandal, and I'm putting quotes around the word scandal, I think the Benghazi scandal is just about over. Believe it or not. Why? Well, because of this uh, business with the IRS, which really is uh, a scandal of a sort, not a big one, but a sort. Uh, and that'll attract the Republicans' attention for a while, as will a new one that is just breaking this afternoon. Again, a legitimate scandal so they can give up the fake Benghazi scandal. This new uh, scandal that really is legitimate and that really is troubling is now breaking uh, from the AP. I'll read you just a quick uh, sentence here. The Justice Department secretly obtained two months of telephone records of reporters and editors for the Associated Press in what the news cooperative's top executives called a, quote, massive and unprecedented intrusion 
into how news organizations gather the news. The records obtained by the Justice Department listed incoming and outgoing calls and the duration of each call for the work and personal phone numbers of individual individual reporters, general AP offices in New York, Washington, and Hartford, Connecticut, and the main number for AP reporters in the House of Representative Press Gallery, according to attorneys for the AP. In all, the government seized those records for more than 20 separate telephone lines assigned to, uh, to the AP and its journalists in April and May of 2012. The exact number of journalists who used the phone lines during that period is unknown, but more than 100 journalists work in the offices whose phone records were targeted on a wide array of stories about government and other matters. That is just breaking this afternoon from AP, about AP, and I suspect we're going to be hearing a lot more about that. Uh, and, uh, appropriately so. And maybe it will get the, uh, the dogs off of this uh, ridiculous continuing Benghazi scandal. But I do want to say, I'm going to put this out here now. We'll take some calls a little bit later in the hour. 818-985-5735 is our number. If you do not think Benghazi is a phony, pretend, ridiculous, absurd, waste of time, quote, scandal, Please call and let me know why. I want to hear from you Republicans, because I know that you Republicans are really furious about this. So please call and tell me why you're furious. You'll be first in line. We'll get to your call in a little bit. 818-985-5735. Okay. Uh, from fake stories to real stories... The level of the most important heat-trapping gas in the atmosphere, carbon dioxide, has passed a long-feared milestone, scientists reported on Friday, reaching a concentration not seen on the Earth for millions of years. Scientific instruments showed that the gas had reached an average daily level of, uh, of above 400 parts per million, just an odometer moment in one sense, but also a sobering reminder that decades of efforts to bring human-produced emissions under control are faltering. This, according to the AP, uh, according to New York Times, faltering, I think, is a uh, a very kind way to put it. Faltering? When have we even begun? Uh, the best available evidence suggests the amount of the gas in the air has not been this high for at least three million years before humans evolved and scientists believe the rise portends large changes in the climate and the level uh, and the levels of the sea we will uh find out what all of this means with my guest Brad Johnson he was former, formerly the editor of Think Progress Green at the Center for American Progress Action Fund he has a master's degree in geosciences from MIT and is co-author of Techno Manifestos he is now the campaign director for ForecastTheFacts.org. Brad Johnson, sir, welcome to the broadcast. It's my pleasure to join you. Great to have you here. Okay, uh, for our all Brad broadcast. Uh, Brad, what does this mean? 400 parts per million. Uh, what does it mean? Is it something that we really need to be concerned about? I know it's uh, just a landmark in one sense. Um, but, but, but what are the real concerns at this, at this time when we pass something like 400 parts per million? Well, I think the, you know, and as you write it, it is literally in some sense just a milestone, uh, uh, product of our using the, the decimal system. But the real reason for concern is that 
it's this is it's the context that it's in that we don't have any global system for decelerating the the rise and in fact we expect it to continue to accelerate and that's what's really frightening is that uh increasing we've increased greenhouse gas concentrations by over 40% from pre-industrial levels but we're looking at uh double even triple uh by the end of this century so we're really at the in what's kind of hard to imagine but what's really remarkable is that is long unless uh we change our direction dramatically this is just the the beginning of the upswing uh and it's kind of one way of looking at it in context is that the pre-industrial levels the the levels that the human race evolved in that human civilization developed uh that were you know about 40% lower than they are t- today mm-hmm. And if you thought of it, if you compare that kind of like as the, the body mass index for a, a human and they're like, so they're 280 parts per million, which was what, you know, human civilization arose in. Uh, and we consider that healthy. We're now, uh, 400 ppm would be at like the threshold for obesity. Well, like we would have been, you know, we, we were overweight in 1990, uh, when we hit 350 parts per million mm-hmm. and we're hitting the threshold for obesity. And we're expected to go to, you know, severe obesity, morbid obesity, uh, or, you know, a freakishly obese, um, by the end, you know, within decades. And, and I think what people need to understand here is that we're talking about an alarming, you had mentioned, I think, 40% increase. Uh, the New York Times writes that for the entire period of human civilization, roughly 8,000 years, the carbon dioxide level was relatively stable near uh, the upper bounds, uh, about 280 parts per million during the warm periods. But the burning of fossil fuel has, has caused a 41% increase in the heat-trapping gas since the Industrial Revolution, a mere geological instant. And scientists say the climate is beginning to react, though they expect it to get much worse. What does, and, and I've got this remarkable uh, this remarkable op-ed from the Wall Street Journal late last week that I'm going to get into in a second. But uh, before we get into that wing nuttery, and this is really amazing, uh, weapons-grade wing nuttery, I should say, uh, Brad Johnson, what what are the actual, if you can put this into terms that people can actually sort of understand easily, what is the worry about the uh, acceleration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? I know it's been here before at these levels. That was millions of years ago. But what do we expect to see because of this rise in carbon dioxide? And do we know that, in fact, these effects that will happen are directly because of carbon dioxide, or is it something else, as the deniers like to say? Well, I mean, it would be nice to believe that uh, fundamentally altering the chemistry of the atmosphere isn't uh, connected to the fundamental changes in the atmosphere that we've seen, but uh, that's just, uh, it's just a fantasy, unfortunately. And so there really is, unfortunately, no doubt that by completely altering the chemical composition of the atmosphere in the ocean uh, through the extremely rapid burning of fossil fuels that we have uh, irrevocably altered the, the climate system. And, uh, you know, the reason for concern other than kind of 
uh, metaphor about, you, you know, why one would be concerned about, uh, you know, deliberately poisoning oneself would be that we're running this experiment uh, on the only planet that we live on. And uh, we know that the climate system is literally uh, something that all life and uh, human civilization, uh, agriculture, uh, the existence of cities, all of these things literally depend on. Um, and we are tampering with that in a way that we literally have no idea um, what the consequences are going to be. We have some sense of we know for the things that we do know are um, already happening mm-hmm. and are going to happen uh, would be reason would be sufficient reason for concern uh, in terms of the level of sea level rise that we're expected to see and that we've already seen the amount of the reserves of ice that mm-hmm. have been melting and that will accelerate melt the changes that we've seen just simply by we've increased the amount of water vapor in the atmosphere by several percent and each time uh, the, because warm air holds more water basically and as that does, storms uh, get more intense, and you know, ironically, as you warm up the planet, droughts also get more intense. So we know all of these things, and we're acidifying the oceans, and all of these things have effects. Some of which we can predict, some of which, some of which we can't. And it's a fabulously, uh, it's a fascinating experiment from a scientific perspective, um, because uh, humans have never seen. Uh, climatic changes like this ever, it, like literally in the existence of our species. Uh, so <laughs> we're learning, we're learning really amazing new things about ice dynamics and uh, oceans and uh, species and uh, species extinction that um, <laughs> we never would have known if we weren't running this experiment. But we're in. Isn't that just like you? Isn't that just like you finding the bright side to this, Brad? <laughs> yeah, but we're in right, and but the problem is, is we're inside the experiment, right. and that's why scientists, um, even as they we are uh, the experiment, scientists are right. Well, exactly, we're the experimenters, and and we're well, we're actually really um, just um, you know an element in the experiment, right? Uh, and that's the whole thing is that we're simultaneous. We're what we're seeing is if if we um, put the global ecosystem at risk if we completely change uh, how weather works. Um, we, we're finding out, well, are we going to survive? You know, and uh, for a lot of people, the answer already, unfortunately, is no. Um, well, let, let's turn to the, the Wall Street Journal. They say not only are we going to survive uh, the increase in carbon dioxide, but we're going to thrive from it. And this was an, a remarkable op-ed. I'm speaking with Brad Johnson of ForecastTheFacts.org. You're listening to the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. A lot of Brads here today. This from William Happer and Harrison Schmidt at the once but no longer respectable newspaper known as the Wall Street Journal. Uh, they wrote this last week. This is, uh, I, I think this is a, a sort of a new point for the uh, climate change deniers out here. Uh, let me just read you a couple of sentences from this op-ed last week. Uh, they, they argue, in, it's called In Defense of Carbon Dioxide. They argue that contrary 
to what some would have us believe, increased carbon dioxide in the atmosphere will benefit the increasing population on the planet by increasing agricultural productivity. For most plants and for the animals and humans that use them, more carbon dioxide, far from being a pollutant in need of reduction, would be a benefit. Nowadays, they write, in an age of rising population and scarcities of food and water in some regions, it's a wonder that humanitarians aren't clamoring, clamoring, Brad, aren't clamoring for more atmospheric carbon dioxide. Instead, some are denouncing it. It was a rather incredible op-ed. Uh, Phil Plate at, uh, at Slate described this as weapons-grade denial. A commenter at uh, at the Brad blog, actually a scientist himself from Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, said uh, this was not weapons-grade denial. This was weapons of mass destruction denial. Uh, Brad Johnson, your take on this notion that carbon dioxide is actually good for us and we ought to be clamoring for more of it. Well, I mean, I'm glad that uh, you have these people uh, willing to concede that uh, human human activities are increasing CO2 concentrations. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's funny because I actually, I mean, it's it's an embarrassment and a sad, uh, you know, in a sad. Uh, that isn't really the right word, but it's a sad state of affairs for uh, Rupert Murdoch in the Wall Street Journal. Um, you know, in, in the wake of uh, Superstorm Sandy, it's uh, frankly, uh, frankly offensive uh, that they would publish this. But, I mean, you know, the idea that just because um, plants uh, use uh, CO2 in, in, their, in, in photosynthesis, uh, that's, a, that's a genuinely old canard. Um, I mean, and it's true that like old weapons can be, you know, old landmines buried can be, uh, can be deadly. Uh, but I mean, these are, these are, and I, and I hate to be insulting, you know, like there are lots of old men who are good people, but you know, these are very <laughs> old men who, um, have long running ties to, uh, the fossil fuel industry and the extreme right. And they don't, you know, it, it would be nice if, uh, there were no consequences to, you know, burning hundreds of billions of tons of fossil fuels. But unfortunately, the, you know, the basic reality is that it's, it's not actually good for plants. Um, it's not good for ecosystems. It's not good for forests. It's, uh, the, it's not good for agriculture. It's not good for humanity. Uh, the, the, the benefits of the known, the known harms of uh, increasing greenhouse gas concentrations far outweigh the known benefits and the the unknown risks are are literally catastrophic phil plate writes uh, oh i'm sorry go ahead no no i'm just saying like anybody who you know wants to learn more and get more uh details on this a great site is skepticalscience.com yep. and you can go and you know co2 is plant food is one of the classic yes. uh classic myths that they that they deconstruct and go through they do, so, but I've, I've never seen it put out front the way it, it was in this Wall Street Journal. I mean, just so blatantly, uh, Phil Plate responded to say that they claim that CO2 is just natural and a harmless byproduct of nature, um, which is bonkers, he writes. Try living on Venus 
to see why. Uh, Brad Johnson, a couple more quick questions before I have to let you go. The, um, one of the, uh, denier talking points I'm hearing more and more and more lately, uh, and uh, again, you're right, skepticalscience.com is great for this, answers all of these ridiculous myths. Uh, but one of these, uh, talking points I'm hearing more and more lately is that the planet is actually cooling over the last 10 years, Brad. Uh, how do they come up with this? Uh, with this notion, is this because 1998 was sort of the hottest year ever on record and so far nothing has been as hot as 1998, therefore the planet is cooling? Is that how they get away with this uh, planet is cooling over well, the last 10 years? Not That's not true. 1998 wasn't the hottest year on record. It wasn't? So, no. Which one was? Uh, 2005 and 2010 uh, were hotter according to uh, NOAA and NASA mm-hmm. the there you know there's a few different um uh, scientific organizations that do these global temperature reconstructions and uh the U- United Kingdom Met Office which doesn't um include uh temperatures for the polar regions, which mm-hmm. are the regions that are warming the fastest on the globe, ah. uh, found that have that 1998, which was uh, an El whose whose atmospheric temperatures were influenced by uh, a strong El Nino effect. But is that what uh, they're using are, when they say it's cooled over the past decade? Are, are, are they pointing back to 1998 or how are they so wrong in so this what case? They're doing is, so what, one, thing, one thing they're doing is that they're using um, their Cherry picking their data sets, they're um, using a kind of weird statistical definition of cooling, which is opposite of what statisticians would use, uh, and they're you know deliberately ignoring, uh, for example, the the data that we have that shown that from the oceans have been warming at a at a very fast rate over over that period. So, in other words, what we're seeing is that there's natural variability that um, means that, you know, I, without global warming effects, you would expect that from one year to the next, you would see uh, temperature differentials of, you know, like mm-hmm. 0.1 or 0.2 centigrade. Right. And that's about the warming rate that we're seeing per decade. So that any one decade, if you look at a period of a few years, it could look it could look flat. Right. Um, but the reality is that every decade since the 1970s has been warmer than the decade before it, and the warming rate is accelerating. And they don't. So, and, yeah. And they don't look the at the. The 80s are hotter than the 1970s. 90s are hotter than the 80s. The 2000, you know, 2000s were hotter than the 90s. And, you know, and that that's continuing. And it's in fact, it's accelerating. Gotcha. And so, they tend to not look at the ocean uh, temperatures. They're only looking sometimes at the air temperatures. Is that another way that they uh, tend to downplay well, it? As yeah, it's and they're not doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just I mean, it's the type of thing where it's like saying, like, um, just if you had gained uh, if you had gained like 60 pounds in in the last 15 years, but you had. Uh, you know, you've kind of, you know, but at one point, 15 years ago, you, there was one year that you had like gained 70 pounds and lost it, you know, and then lost 20 pounds and you're just getting every year you're getting, you know, every, right. every decade you get older, you're getting fatter. They're basically arguing that you're getting skinnier. Gotcha. Uh, it's just not, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's, 
it's a lie wrapped or, you know, wrapped in statistics, wrapped in a de- deliberate attempt to ignore, uh, you know, ignore facts. They're very good at that. Uh, okay. Uh, last question here before I let you go. Uh, Brad Johnson, uh, forecastthefacts.org. I know you started out, uh, as an organization, uh, your initial campaign was to sort of, uh, target, uh, weathermen, if you will, and, and weather women, meteorologists. What is up with, <laughs> I, I kind of want to say, what's up with the weathermen? Because whenever I hear, uh, you know, I hear so many weathermen and weather women, meteorologists who, uh, seem to be deniers, or at least it seems like there's a lot of them, maybe because, you know, Fox News pulls them out, uh, when, whenever they can say, oh, look, it's a meteorologist, Joe Bastardi, he disagrees with global warming, uh, you know, not making the distinction between yeah. climate scientists and, and meteorologists. But I would think that people who watch weather every day, you know, and they're not just watching their own town, but they're watching the weather pattern Patterns around the globe. Why is it that uh, folks who do weather aren't clearer and more helpful uh, about these patterns that are undeniable? Even if you're only looking at uh, you know local weather, in many cases, it seems so easy to see. Why do so many meteorologists seem to have a problem seeing what what you and I see, uh, Brad? Well. I mean, one thing, as you pointed out, my most TV weather, and now let's be fair actually to the women, uh, the audience, nearly every single, uh, TV weathercaster who's a global warming denier is male. Okay, so, good. <laughs> um, like you calling, talking, having, saying that this is a problem with weathermen is actually accurate. Uh, the, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons, uh, kind of one thing is that, as you said, almost none of them are scientists, let alone climate scientists. Um, but I would say that the biggest reason is because uh, the global warming deniers in their audience and who own television stations are loud and politically organized and willing to uh, speak out um, and to attack anyone who uh, talks about the science of climate change. And uh, we're not as well organized. Um, people who, and that's what Forecast the Facts is about. If you go to our website, there's a, can click on the, the weather requester watch and sign up and we're actually working uh, to challenge global warming. Right now we're working to challenge global warming, denying uh, weathermen in Baltimore in Boston and Cleveland. So this is something that's like, it's an ongoing effort and really what it requires. And the great thing is that literally just calling up your local television station and saying, um, where's the coverage of climate change in my region really makes a difference. Um, whether or not the, and that's like, that's the really big thing is, is that these, these are, these, these people are, they're, what they're saying is based on politics and, uh, not based on science. And, uh, they need to hear from the general public that they're, that they're ill-treating ill-treating the public, and they're not serving the public interest. They need to hear, because what we're seeing going on is remarkable to me. If you actually follow the science, what, you know, what, what is happening is remarkable, and what is not happening, what we are not doing about it uh, is absolutely remarkable. Richard uh, Alley, a great uh, climate scientist from Pennsylvania State University, has a great quote. He says, if you start turning the Titanic long before you hit the iceberg, you can go clear without even spilling a drink of a passenger on deck. If you wait until you're really close, spilling a lot of drinks is the best you can hope for. 
At this rate, I think that uh, spilling a lot of drinks is the very best we can hope for. And uh, uh, Brad Johnson, I want to thank you for the work you're doing to try to raise awareness of this, try to uh, you know help people understand how they can help, how they can contact their their local TV stations, because uh, this is going to get a lot worse before it ever gets better if it ever does. Brad Johnson, uh, formerly the editor at Think Progress Green, uh, now the campaign director for ForecastTheFacts.org. You can also uh, follow him on the Twitter, and you should follow him on the Twitter. He is at Climate Brad. Thanks, Brad. Really great to finally, uh, finally get you on the air. Likewise. Thank you, brother. Melting for you right here on the broadcast, about 100 degrees out uh, here in the valley. Glad you could join us. We're going to take a quick break. Come back uh, to uh, to you and maybe some of your calls at 818-985-5735. Des, did we get anybody who will explain why Benghazi is a scandal? What? No right-wingers out there will explain it to me? 818-985-5735. Please tell me why I should be irate like you, Republicans. I'd love to hear from it. That and much more straight ahead. This is your broadcast on KPFK. Completely unsponsored common sense commuter traffic. It is 329 minutes past the hour. This is your Go Harrison live and local traffic report here on KPFK. Let's get started in Fontana where there's a grass fire on the 15 southbound between Sierra and Summit. Uh, the two right lanes are going to be blocked as crews try and put that fire out. That's uh, actually between Sierra and the 210 freeway. So if you're headed up towards uh, the high desert, be wary of that. Add a few extra minutes to your commute. Uh, all the way now to the coast and Pacific Palisades on PCH. The right lane is closed between Channel Road and Temescal Canyon Road, and that's due to some road work that's going on. And in Commerce, there's an accident. Left two lanes are blocked. That's the five southbound at Washington Boulevard and Garfield. And the 101 North at, in Tarzana uh, at Tampa, an earlier crash has been moved out of lanes. Traffic is backed up to Van Nuys Boulevard. It's also going to stay slow to DeSoto. Uh, southbound lanes are slow uh, from Melrose all the way down to the 110 freeway. For Go Harrison, for Brad, bradblog.com, I'm Jeffrey Thomas on KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara. I'm Ian Masters, the host of Background Briefing, a daily news analysis program heard Mondays through Thursdays at 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 11 a.m. We look into the important stories and issues in the news with the most knowledgeable specialists as well as the best-informed observers closest to the scene to provide you with an in-depth background briefing that has context, history, nuance, and details. Get your background briefing Mondays through Thursdays at 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 11 a.m. here at KPFK.
ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Lock your Soyuz hatch and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. Commencing countdown engines on. Detach from station and may God's love be with you. Yeah. This has been recorded in space. Literally. This is ground control to Major Tom. That's actually Commander Chris Hatfield. Uh, unbelievable. He recorded this in space in the International Space Station. Hatfield left orbit uh, in style yesterday. I think, I ha- Des, has he uh, come down yet? Do we know? We, we don't know if he's made it down safely. But that was uh, what he released hours before his planned return to Earth aboard a Soyuz capsule. He cast himself as Bowie's Major Tom in a remake of the 1969 classic Space Oddity, the first music video shot in space, made with subtly adapted lyrics, rocketed across the web, gaining a million views in 12 hours on YouTube. We've got it at the top of bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com, in for Harrison today. Uh, he'll be back soon. Uh, Bowie, who released the original in the summer of Neil Armstrong's Giant Leap, was among thousands to tweet the release of this way cool video. Hello, Space Boy, he wrote on his Twitter, recalling a song from his album Outside. Commander Hadfield was due to land in Kazakhstan early this morning. Hopefully he has uh, returned safely. He will emerge from his capsule as the most famous astronaut for a generation indeed uh this guy has been great by the way you can follow him on twitter as well you can follow me i should say at the brad blog is my twitter address love to have you follow me uh there and ask any questions uh call me any names whatever you like glad to have you there you can also call me any names you like right here 818-985-5735 is our phone number 818-985-kpfk uh, Hadfield, it was clear that he was different from the start, writes The Guardian. Uh, when William Shatner asked him, this was back in January, uh, asked, uh, Hadfield if he was, if he planned to tweet from space, the real life commander replied via Twitter without missing a beat, yes, standard orbit captain, and we're detecting signs of life on the surface. Love that guy. Okay, uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number if you are a Republican and you can explain to me why I should be so upset about Benghazi, the fake scandal that has been uh, gripping the Republicans. I was going to say gripping the nation, but it hasn't been gripping them at all. Last week, of course, we had what was promised to be explosive testimony in the U.S. House of Representatives. Tension is mounting in the nation's capital. That's where in just one day we will hear the testimony of three whistleblowers about the Benghazi terror attack. What one says could shake up the Obama administration 
Big time. It's going to be explosive. <laughs> explosive. Explosive indeed. These are big, big charges. The dam's about to break on Benghazi. It's going to make you mad. Yeah, well, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the explosion. I'm waiting to be mad. That was uh, leading up to last Wednesday's testimony of supposed whistleblowers in this case. And look, there is plenty we talked about at the top of the show. There is plenty to be ticked off at Obama about. There are all kinds of scandals if Republicans really wanted to uh, to undo them. And now, by the way, they, they've got a, a couple on a silver platter here. With uh, the IRS looking at tea parties, and now late today, uh, this breaking news that the Justice Department had been going through the phone records of AP reporters. Uh, we'll see if that distracts the Republicans uh, so that they pay attention to a real scandal instead of making up a fake one. But this is out today from PPP. While voters overall may think Congress's focus should be elsewhere, uh, there's no doubt about how mad Republicans are about Benghazi. 41% say they consider this to be the biggest political scandal in American history. Republicans think by a 74 to 19 margin that Benghazi is a worse political scandal than Watergate. (laughs) By a 74 to 12 margin that it's worse than Teapot Dome. And finally, by a 70-20 margin, that it is worse than Iran-Contra. They just can't seem to tell me why, which is why I was asking for somebody to call and tell me why. 818-985-5735. Why is this worse than all of the above? PPP goes on to write one interesting thing about the voters uh, who think that Benghazi is the biggest political scandal in American history is that 39% of them don't actually know where Benghazi is. So 10% think it's in Egypt, 9% think it's in Iran, 6% in Cuba, 5% in Syria, 4% in Iraq, 1% each in North Korea and Liberia, with 4% not willing to venture a guess. Yet, they say, it is the biggest political scandal in American history. According to those Republicans, uh, Des, do we have anybody uh, who who is uh, is this somebody? Well, let's see if we, Robert uh, in Los Angeles. Hey, Robert, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Can you tell me why uh, the Benghazi scandal is the worst political scandal in American history? I don't think we know if it's a scandal yet. It's still being investigated. We don't know what it is yet. But I have some questions and concerns. Maybe you can clear it up. Okay. Uh, first of all. How come for two weeks they said that it was due to a protest when that same night the guy called in who was there and said they were under attack? Uh-huh. It seemed to float alive for two weeks. Oh, well, weeks. actually, it didn't Obama say the very next day in the Rose Garden that this was an act of terror? No, not exactly. What he said was in passing that it could have been an act of terror. He didn't pin it on terrorism specifically. Well, he said that and we will not... He, hang on, Robert. He said, I'll, I'll respond to you. He said that we will not tolerate acts of terrorism the very next day. So what do you think he was talking about when he said that? He was talking about, hypothetically, if it I was see. terrorism, we won't talk about it. And I have I a see. question for you. Okay. How come after that he went to the U.N. and mm-hmm. then still went on and said that it was a... It was a protest by a uh, video after that, didn't he? Was well, no, he, he didn't say it was a protest. He said that the uh, that this was spurred on by protests, and in fact there were major protests that very day about that video uh, at the Cairo embassy. They were spreading ar- around at that time, and there was fear and concern 
that it was part of those demonstrations. Now, wouldn't you rather them, uh, you know, figure that out and get those facts straight before they come out uh, and and announce that it was uh, some advanced plot? As a matter of fact, my understanding is still to this day. Uh, they don't know that it was, you know, planned part in, uh, that it was planned long in advance, that it was in fact, uh, spurred by these demonstrations that were happening around the, uh, around the globe in response to this video, and that these guys decided to do the attack at this time. Now, okay, don't you want them to get it right? We have, no, you, we have a different fact set. My okay. understanding, what I've been hearing from the media, is everybody knows now that it had absolutely nothing to do with the video. That that was, uh, and then we're trying to determine on why that kept being pushed by the administration. And also, not only that, but, um, one of the, uh, they went to the mother, uh, Hillary Clinton of one of the people who was actually, uh, killed and they said, don't worry, we're gonna put this guy in jail who did this video. And it turns out the video had absolutely nothing to do with it. Okay, well, that's let me... my understanding of the facts now. Well, okay. Uh, let me ask you this, Robert. Let's, let's presume that they're uh, completely wrong, that, uh, you know, these attacks weren't uh, spurred in part by what was going on in all of these other Arab countries. Let me ask you, what is the scandal here? Let's say that it was, well, it was related in no way. What is the actual scandal here, Robert? Well, we don't know what it is because we don't know where the president was. What his involvement was. So what would be the worst case scenario? What, I mean. The worst case scenario yeah. is this. Yeah. That they simply, uh, wanted to, uh, minimize anything to do with Al Qaeda at this time because it was near the election and they thought it was going to look bad. So Hillary Clinton and President Obama, uh, weren't available when the, uh, when the guy was calling from help from the agency and they were letting their low level people handle it. Well, uh, well, Obama went to sleep rather than go into the uh, whatever room they go into when they're having a. a so did he? So did he, Robert? Did he? And I got a, a bunch of other stuff I got to get to, so I don't mean to cut you off. But should he? Uh, so you're saying that he he purposely he didn't care, and that that's the uh, the scandal here is that he didn't uh, try enough to save his own uh, State Department staff. Is that well, is that the suggestion? Well, that's that's what we're investigating yeah. now. We don't okay. know. All right. Well, we don't know, but yet we're all these months later, and uh, everybody seems well, to disagree. Hang on, everybody in the know, including you know uh, Robert Gates, Bush's uh, defense secretary, says that uh, call, called the uh, Republican critics who said they should have you know been scrambling uh, uh, fighter jets. He said that this was a cartoonish idea. Uh, the the uh, the the, the what? Well, well, he said it was. Do you, do you disagree well, with the Defense Secretary Robert Gates? Yes, because they okay. wanted their, the actual people were told yeah. to stand down who wanted to go there and try to help. No, no, the people that were told to stand down were actually, they already sent people there. There was a second group that wanted to go, and the State Department and the military decided that those four people, those special forces, were needed to guard the embassy in Tripoli, which would have been left vulnerable if they had sent them into a zone where they had no idea what was actually going on in Benghazi. And this is what the Defense Secretary has said. This is what the, uh, the, the four term, the four decade long Hang on, Robert. Don't talk over me. The four-decade-long uh, uh, diplomat, Thomas Pickering, uh, said, who did a report on this, the Joint Chiefs, uh, Admiral Mike Mullen, the former chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they've all said this same thing over and over. Let me know when you'll let me talk. Well, go ahead now. Well, first of all, that was uh, a very un unguarded area and a very dangerous area. Right. And that 
diplomat had been asking for extra protection for a long time and had received none. Mm-hmm. And he was in a very precarious situation there. Yep. It's unclear to me until the investigation's complete, had they, uh, when they first found out of a problem, had they uh, sent uh, Jess or whatever to help, if it could have been helped, that's unclear now. No, it's not and unclear, it's Robert. Unclear. You can't yes, say, hang on, Robert, yes, you can't. Robert, you can't say things are unclear when you've got so far two different secretaries of defense and one uh, joint chiefs of staff of the of the military all saying it's very clear. Sending fighter jets would not have done the job. What would make it clear to someone like you, Robert? That's not true. What you're saying is just wrong. Okay. There were people there uh, on the ground who wanted to go. Let, let me, if you could just not interrupt me. No, listen, I have to go because I got a lot of stuff to cover, Robert. But you're 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 denying the actual facts of what people who actually know them have said. Well, you don't let me talk. You get you get. I have let you talk a lot. You got thirty seconds, and then I have to go to the green news. So go. Okay, the Secretary of Defense. Uh, is co- could very well be covering for the president. It's a political <laughs> position. Uh, had they George Bush's Secretary well, of Defense. Well, you said I had thirty seconds. Go. Now you don't. Go. Now you interrupted me. Go. Uh, and so we really don't know what happened. I to this day don't know what President Ob- uh, Obama was doing and his exact involvement in all this. Right. Okay, thanks, Robert. I appreciate your call. Here's the problem with guys like Robert, and I really do appreciate your call. But, you know, you've got all of these, one after another, Secretary of Defense, including the one appointed by George W. Bush, saying that what Robert says is not true. And then Robert, representing the entire uh, apparently disinformed right here, is saying that uh, it doesn't matter what they said, we still think it might be true. And that's how we never get out of these messes, because we apparently have the school of people to whom facts, evidence, science apparently means absolutely nothing. Okay, uh, boy, I wish we had more time because I really would like to uh, to cover that some more. But I do need to get a couple of uh, points that I'm going to get in here real quick before we bring in Desi Doyen with the Green News Report. Uh, and I'm going to point you over to bradblog.com to get more on them because I don't have uh, time to give them proper coverage. But I had mentioned, and we've been mentioning for a bunch of weeks, uh, well, I should say months on this show, on the Bradcast and at bradblog.com, uh, about the concerns about Internet voting that is being pushed right now out here in California by, I'm sorry to say, Democrats, people who I've taken to calling Democratic science deniers, who are being told by the scientists over and over again that Internet voting is, uh, is, is an unsolvable problem at this time. That's only from one scientist after another, talking about the uh, uh, computer scientists and security experts who are trying to get this point across, and yet... Up in Sacramento, for example, in California, the legislature is uh, currently moving through an Internet voting bill. Well, maybe they won't anymore now that NBC's The Voice appears to have been hacked. This statement from NBC last Wednesday, uh, quote, On this week's episode of The Voice, we encountered issues with the systems used online for, uh, I'm sorry, with the system used for online and SMS text voting. We are addressing both issues and in an abundance of caution are not counting the votes that have been affected. Telescope, the independent company that administers uh, voting for the show, has certified that removing those votes, they've certified this, removing those votes does not affect the outcome for any team. 
That's from NBC. And yet, this company, which has been doing Internet voting now for years for The Voice and for uh, American Idol and for The X Factor, they couldn't keep their voting uh, secure. And yet, uh, the county clerk at uh, Anywhereville, USA, is supposed to keep their Internet voting secure. Uh, good luck with that, uh, Democrats. Uh, speaking of Democrats uh, who don't seem to get it here, look, Republicans are, are doing evil and terrible things in order to keep people from casting their vote, to keep Democrats, Democratic-leaning voters, legal Democratic-leaning voters from casting their vote. That is evil. What the Democrats are doing, on the other hand, is just plain stupid. They want to enfranchise people. I don't blame them. But uh, to open up the door to fraud the way Internet voting would and the way vote by mail would in Colorado last week, moving through that legislature, it looks like it's going to be signed. Uh, the state of Colorado is now going to be sending absentee ballots to every single voter, whether they have asked for one or not. You think that's going to be a fraud problem? If you have any questions about that, stop by bradblog.com uh, and look at our top story today about uh, the <laughs> about the absentee ballot fraud that is now going on, uh, alleged by both sides, folks filling out absentee ballots for other people and lying to them about it uh, in this uh, city council race coming up out here in Los Angeles uh, at the same time as the mayoral race on May 21. Uh, it's a remarkable story that I wish I had time to get into, but suffice to say, you want fraud? Send out a whole bunch of ballots, blank ballots, make them available to anybody to buy, to sell, to intimidate their uh, their, their uh, employee at work if they don't fill it out the right way, abusive husbands, all kinds of problems. Uh, so I appreciate that Democrats want more people to vote. This is the wrong and insane way to do it. Check out this story on L.A. absentee voter fraud, if you don't believe me, at bradblog.com. Let's do some green news. It's not easy being green. That's your theme song, Daz. <laughs> it <laughs> yes, seems it is. That's it. I got it in. I know yes, we're running late. That's all right. But we have I got a lot to talk in. about. We do. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's a very green show today. Very green and very Brad-like. Yes, so multiple brads. Multiple brads, multiple green stories. It's a Brad fest. Thank you for noticing. Uh, that's, of course, Desi Doyen, the producer of the Bradcast, uh, my co-host on the Green News Report, also heard by uh, Harrison, uh, Go Harrison fans doing the top of the hour news. Yes. Should we do some green news? Yes, let's do. Green News Report. Bring it on, D'Angelo. We need to, all of us need to show up. We should have a good, robust debate, and we should vote. Senate Republicans obstruct Obama's EPA nominee. OMB says EPA regulations pay off in economic benefits 10 to 1. Honeybee losses accelerate in the U.S. Another coal export terminal bites the dust in Oregon. Plus, this car performs better than anything we've ever tested before. Consumer Reports has a new all-time favorite car, and you may be shocked what it is. All of those shocks and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. How do you sell energy-efficient light bulbs to conservatives? Try putting a trigger on it. Yep, that'll do it. This is your Green News Report.
Okay, Desi Doyen, I want to say that I am on record from months ago after Lisa Jackson, the last administrator of the EPA, left. I'm on record saying that they were never going to be able to get an approval for a new administrator for the EPA. Not in this Senate, not under these Republicans. Am I right so far? So far, you are right. Republican obstruction reached new levels of absurdity on Thursday as Republican senators led by David Vitter of Louisiana blocked a committee vote on Obama's nominee to head the Environmental Protection Agency, Gina McCarthy. They refused to show up, denying the committee a quorum. McCarthy answered over a thousand written questions from the Republicans, but Vitter complained that she was, quote, unresponsive. After answering a thousand questions? Yep. So they just did not show up, right? Right. This is not like what we saw, for example, in Wisconsin with uh, Scott Walker, where they had an objection to Scott Walker. The GOP doesn't actually object to anything from this nominee, do they? No, they object to the EPA's existence. Exactly. This is unbelievable obstructionism, even by Republican 2013 standards. And it has even bigger implications for the economy as a whole. Democratic Senator Tom Carper of Delaware noted that this unprecedented level of obstruction is the opposite of what the utility industry has requested. It makes it hard to tell them what the rules are going to be, to provide a reasonable amount of time, some flexibility, and get out of the way. This nomination deserves uh, a vote. This nominee deserves a vote. And frankly, our country needs it. But those same GOP senators are attending a same-day fundraiser thrown by energy lobbyists. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, the Office of Management and Budget released a new cost-benefit analysis this week of EPA regulations and found that Americans get $10 worth of economic benefits for every $1 invested in complying with Clean Air Act and Clean Water Act standards. That's because the OMB is a shill for Barack Obama. (laughs) Let me repeat that. The nonpartisan OMB cost-benefit analysis shows EPA regulations return $10 in benefits for every $1 invested. Meanwhile, commercial beekeepers say they lost a third of their bees over the winter, according to a new survey. That's on top of similar losses every year for the last seven years. The European Union has now placed a temporary ban on a class of pesticides linked to bee deaths. But in the U.S., a new federal study released last week blames a combination of factors and calls for more research, essentially ensuring that no action will be taken on any one of those factors, including pesticides. And why do I care if bees are disappearing? Uh, Because they are responsible for much of the food that we eat. Oh, you and your food supply again. Good news for Oregon. Portland residents and environmental groups are cheering after coal giant Kinder Morgan announced it is canceling attempts to build a new coal export terminal to ship U.S. coal to China. That's the third of six coal export terminals that have been dropped in the Pacific Northwest. Kinder Morgan blames it on unforeseen site problems, but residents credit their huge protests against the increase in coal dust air pollution expected from 12 new coal trains a day through Portland. You and your air pollution again. Consumer Reports, known for their unbiased and unforgiving car reviews, say the all-electric Tesla Model S sports car is, quote, the best car we've ever tested. This car performs better than anything we've ever tested before. Let me repeat that. Not just the best electric car, but the best car. And it performs better than the entries from any of the car companies, even companies that have been around for over 100 years. 
the Tesla Model S scored 99 out of 100. Yeah, but it's really, really, really expensive. Yes, so. yes, it is. But, you know, so were cell phones and computers when they first came out as well. You and your reasoned approaches again. <laughs> and Tesla is now turning a profit along with the entire American auto industry, which overall is seeing its best performance in 20 years. But don't expect to hear about that from Fox News or other right-wing media who, if you'll remember, said let the American auto industry die in 2009. For more on that story and the ones we couldn't get to today, drive on over to our website at greennews.bradblog.com. While you're there, please take note. The Bradblog has posted our 10,000th article this week. That's our 10,000th article in 10 years. Stop on by and help us celebrate. Find us on the Facebook and follow us on the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Electric car on roads so dark to change the end, rewrite the start. Electric car so good so That's a great song I by, by They cars. Might Be Giants. Fabulous kids uh, album that they put out, They Might Be Giants. I need you can an get electric online. car. That's uh, all I'm saying. Some what quick follow-up. Yeah. Uh, Tesla, it turns out this um, announced today that they are beating Audi and Mercedes and BMW uh, similarly priced gasoline cars. And also coming up on tomorrow's Green News Report, uh, an interesting surprise breakthrough. Scientists who are working on how to build a base on the moon have discovered a way to cut emissions from steel manufacturing here on Earth. Very cool. You can check that out. Uh, you can download us anytime. Download the Green News Report on iTunes, on Stitcher, on uh, TuneIn. Yeah, so, uh, or of course at greennews.bradblog.com. Yes. That's where it comes out first. Great. Thank you, Desi Doyle. That'll Doyne. be up tomorrow. Much appreciated, and I look forward to that. Uh, do I have time? Let me see. Yeah, I can get in uh, very quickly. Hey, Steve in Redondo Beach. Uh, I only got about 10 or 15 seconds. What's up, brother? And welcome to the Bradcast. Hey, Brad, good to talk to you again. Hey, I'll make it fast. Uh, the midterms are coming up. That's why they're talking about Benghazi. And uh, a couple weeks ago, in my opinion, a couple yeah. weeks ago, I talked to a guy who used to be a gunnery sergeant in the Marines. He was stationed in Lebanon when the barracks got blown up. And that was when Reagan was president. I think it was 250 Marines were killed. Yeah. Um, this is the worst uh, scandal since Watergate, which uh, actually happened to be a book that John Dean wrote, remember? Yeah, and yeah, that's right, worse than Watergate, which was about the Bush administration. Yeah, and not, and not to mention there were uh, I think it was at least thirteen attacks on uh, on embassies under the Bush administration. Uh, many many more people killed. No investigation by Congress. No outrage from Daryl Issa. No pretend anger from the Republicans. You know it, it's really ridiculous. You want to uh, investigate what happened in Benghazi? Good. Let's start with nine eleven. Let's start with the Iraq War. Let's start with the thousands of people killed by those lies and if you want to keep looking for lies from uh, Obama, so be it my thanks to Des- uh, producer Desi Doyen super duper associate producer Margot Paez uh, D'Angelo on our soundboard today stay tuned for strategy session with Antonio Gonzalez coming up next my thanks to Brad Johnson at forecastthefacts.org for joining us today you can find me at bradblog.com and on the twitters at the bradblog Thanks, Harrison. He'll be back soon. Good night, America.